We have a lot to talk about today about the love of God. So we want to jump into this. There's a scripture, and you know, I literally woke up this morning, and uh, by the time I got done, I have 20 pages of notes. So um, we have to have a volume two here, because the more I talk about the love of God, the bigger it gets. So go to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through verse 3. We're going to look at that. Now remember, we are talking about the love of God. God doesn't just have love, he is love. So the love of God, we are talking about love, the love of God, it's not a feeling, it is a person. And the activity or the expression or the action of love is being a doer of the word. God says, I know if you love me because you do what I say. That's the only measuring stick. When I, when I say, oh Lord, I love you, that doesn't prove I love him to him, right? That's not how he defines it. But when I say, oh Lord, I love you, and that's flowing out of a heart where I've been a- acting on his word and, and being a doer of his word, that blesses him, right? So let's look at this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, I love this scripture, behold. In other words, God wants you to see this. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Look at, look at what manner, what is it? That we should be called the sons of God. While we were lost in our trespasses and sins, God sent his Son to die in our place so that we could be born again as his very son. We are literally sons and daughters of the Most High God. He is your dad, right? It says, therefore, the world knows us not. See, why do they don't, they don't know us? Because, they, because it knew not him. They, it, the, world, the world didn't know who Jesus was they're not going to know who you are. They're going to think, what What are you talking about? Right? But then it says this, beloved, look at this, now. So that means, that's, this is a deep Greek word. It means now. Right? Now we are the sons of God. You are God's offspring. So don't define your life by your behavior. Because if you get in your flesh, which is unrenewed, you are a spirit. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a physical body. And if you give in to your flesh, and you don't renew your mind with the word of God, your behavior might be different than what a son of God would do. But don't define yourself by that. When you see and get this revelation of how much God loves you, it will literally cause your behavior to change. Because you'll start to see, wait a minute, I'm tired of living this low life. You know, sin gives pleasure for a season, but it's a short season. And many times the bondage that comes with it can build addictions and detrimental thought processes. I I love what Lester Summerall said. You know, I remember when he was at our church, when he was a very old man in Southern California, he was at our church and he said it again. He said, sin 
will take you further than you ever want to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever want to stay, and it will cost you more than you will ever want to pay, right? But look at this. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, see, these are things we're to know, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Why will we be like him? Because we will see him as he is. That's the thing about God. As you peer into him, you're changed into his image. I love that. And, and now look at this. This is why we say this. And every man that has this hope in him. What hope? That I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. It doesn't yet appear what I'm going to be, but man, when I see him, I'm going to be like him. Every man that has this in him, this hope in him, this confident, joyous expectation of this future event, what does he do? He purifies himself even as he, Jesus, is pure. Wow. This is the road from getting free from all sinful, unrighteous behavior. This is the way you get death out of your life. You keep this ever before you. Remember John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 4, in Him was life. In Him was zoe life. That Greek word zoe, the very essence of life that God has. And the life was the light of men. Verse 14 of the same chapter. And the word was made flesh. It literally in the Greek, and the word took upon himself flesh. That's what happens. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas season. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace Full of truth. Well, this God who came to this earth, Jesus, he said in the, same, in the same gospel in chapter 10, in verse 10, he said, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have zoe again, life, and that they might have it more abundantly, or actually that they might just have it too much. Overflowing. Why? Because we're to give it away. The overflow is the ministry, right? So this is so important. Then if you jump over to Romans chapter 8 in verse 29, just laying a foundation of scriptures we've kind of went through. In Romans 8, 29, it says, whom he did foreknow. That Greek word foreknow means to know beforehand. Do you know God knew you beforehand? He knew you. I mean, do you realize, and you're going to see this even with Mary. You know, why would, what, why Mary? You're going to see, man, she grew up in what would be considered the local church. Her dad was in full-time ministry. He was a scroll scholar, right, in the, in the beautiful synagogue in Sephoris, which is this beautiful city. Her father and mother had trouble getting pregnant. 
And they were married for years and then they made a vow to God, man, if you'll give us a child, we will dedicate that child to the Lord. So Mary grew up being told, you are here for a purpose. God has a specific purpose for you. Do you know that God has a specific purpose for you? It's not by chance that you live in this geographical area. What's interesting is this geographical area is right in the middle of the United States. It's not by chance that you were born the year you were born. It's not, God has a specific purpose for you in the earth, right? We have to know that. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. That means he predetermined or he preplanned something for you. What was that? For you to be conformed to the image of his son. This literally means, this word conformed means, his plan for your life is that you be fashioned like unto the exact representation and resemblance of Jesus. You are to look just like him when he was on the earth. Actually, I should say that correctly. You are to look like him as the resurrected Christ. Because it says, as he is right now, seated with all authority in heaven, so are you in this world. In other words, you have all the authority of the risen Christ in you. We're his body. Wow. And then he, it says this, why? Why is this God's plan that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren? He was the firstborn. But when he was raised, guess what? You were raised with him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 goes into this. As we see him, we're changed into his image. Well, this starts on the earth. Now, when we're raptured out of here or when a Christian comes to the end of their life and steps out of their body and they're with the Lord, guess what? They see him as he is and they're like him. But on this earth, this process is to start. It's to be every day and every moment of your life. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, but we all with an open face, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a glass, really, that word glass means mirror, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. See, this is a mirror. And we can behold the glory of God. We can behold his glory. So as I meditate in scriptures, as I sit wherever I am and I'm reading this out loud, and then I take verses as the Holy Spirit leads me, and I, keep, I build a confession out of those, and I start confessing that over and over and over, what happens is I'm peering in to the Word of God, which is not a book, it is life. The Bible says here, it's like as I behold in a glass the glory of the Lord, as I behold the glory, in other words, as, as the word is open to me and I see it, it changes me. I'm changed, right? Metamorpho is the Greek word. Changed. In Romans 12, 2, where it says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. That's the Greek word metamorpho. Be transformed. Let your life be transformed. When Jesus was on Mount Tabor, 
Remember that one? Where he was transfigured before three of his disciples. That's the Greek word metamorpho. What was on the inside of him shown on the outside. The Bible says that as we peer into the word of God and we see revelation knowledge of it, we are changed. We are changed, look at this, into the same image. How are we from glory to glory? When I behold his glory, it changes me from glory to glory. In other words, the same glory that's coming out of him now is now coming out of me. Why? Because I'm in him. And how am I changed from glory to glory? Even, look at this, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is a work of the Holy Spirit. He not only reveals the Word of God to you, but then he changes you. He transforms you from glory to glory. I love that. See, Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye followers. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. What a great scripture. Ephesians 5.1. 1 John 2.6 brings another truth out. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. So now, not only are you changed into the same image, you are to operate in your life right now as he operated in his life. What did he do? My meat, my nourishment, my strength. I am here for one reason, to do the will of my Father. Tony Finley, I am here for one reason, to do the will of my Lord. His Lordship is ever, you know, you know yes, he's my Savior, right? He saved me. That was his action. But my relationship with him, he is my Lord. I walk like he walked. Did he ever, was he ever in fear? So I will never fear. I refuse to fear. Will I ever have feelings of fear and thoughts of fear? Yep, but I refuse to take them. Right? I mean, he lived in strength. All of it. We're to walk like him. Why can we do that? Colossians 1.13 tells us, who hath delivered us from the delegated influence, the power of darkness, and translated us or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. I am in the kingdom of God. And now that I'm in the kingdom of God, I've been given the word of God, I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that's bringing revelation knowledge where I am changed from glory to glory by the spirit of God. I walk like he walks because I'm conscious of this. In Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I walk in the kingdom of God. I walk as he walks because I'm constantly being changed from glory to glory into his image. Right? understanding I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings so Satan I have all authority in the name of Jesus you have been stripped you no longer have any authority 
So get out of my body, get out of my finances, get out of my family, get out of my church, get out of my business, get out of, right? You have no place in me. When Jesus said he has, the enemy, he has nothing in me. That's the way we need to be. You have nothing in me. I don't listen to you. I don't put up with you. I don't take these thoughts. I'm not moved. You're the God of this world system. And oh, by the way, your lease is almost up. I bet you're freaking out right now. But listen, I'm not moved by anything out here because I know here and I've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, blessed with all spiritual blessings. 2 Peter 1.3 tells me that. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life, does that mean you'll ever, you'll ever be short financially? No. You ever going to be, are you ever not going to have something to eat, something to wear, a place to live, all your needs met? No. If you believe it. Doesn't happen automatically. Because how many of you know, somebody could give you a car, but if you don't believe they gave you a car, you won't ever, you won't ever receive it. You just simply have to receive what he's given you. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but it all comes to us through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Guys, this is who you are. So as the Lord was talking to me early this morning, he wanted me to bring this out. There are four things that rob a Christian of entering into rest. Why are we, why are we teaching on this? Well, you'll see in a minute. Because the first thing is fear. Fear will rob you of entering into his rest. The highest expression of faith is rest right? The second one is strife. You got to get the strife out of your life. Husbands and wives, you don't argue, right? No yelling, no nothing, because strife, husbands, you love your wife and you give yourself for them. You stop making them serve you and you start serving them. If you're not serving your wife, you're not even a man. Not even a man. Get over yourself and love your wife. Wow, where did that come from? That came from the Spirit of God. I'm not going to apologize if that upsets you. Don't write me, I'll shred it. Don't email me, I'll delete it. The third thing is pride. 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 It'll rob you. See, husbands, if you're doing that to your wife, guess what? There's no rest for you. Because here's the other thing. Why are you doing that? Because you're in pride. And if you think, see, some of the most spiritual people we have in the body of Christ right now are completely babies. But they're in pride. So the first thing that happens when you get in pride is you don't see anything. It blinds you. Man, I know people that think they really know this. They're not walking in any of it. They're like wrecking balls in a church. Right? Thank God we don't have anybody like that. I'm just so glad. (laughs) We used to. It was crazy, you know? And uh, 
after a while, you know, we'd have some people, they'd come, and, and you could just tell, wow, this, you know, we've been around this long enough, this person has nightmare possibilities, right? And, you know, you just love people. We, we, we will live in a world no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. We give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But then all of a sudden they just leave. I'm thinking to myself, where is that guy? Where, where, where did that lady go? And one day I was talking to Jeanette. She's like, yep. I'm like, what? She goes, I pray him out. She's like, no weapon formed against us, right? I mean, we hope they get it. We really hope they get it. Because have you ever been that nightmare? I have. Do you know your pastor, God had to remove me from a church. And he told me, because I thought I was being led by the Lord. He goes, yeah, you're being led by me. I had to get you out of there. Because the gifts I placed in you has great influence. It's because of what God's called me to do. And you were hurting that church with your mouth. People would come to you, you know, about something they didn't like in the church, and you would just, you know, many times I wouldn't speak bad of the pastor, but I wouldn't speak good. And I was hurting the church because I wasn't speaking good. So he had to remove me. So don't get mad at me. I'm probably led the way in that one. But man, not anymore. I fell in love with the church. Right? And, and God placed me in a church with a pastor. We love them. They are family today. I mean, I beg him to come out here and minister, but he won't. Because, you know, he's like, man, I love Southern California. It's cold back there. I'm not coming, right? But I know he loves me deep down inside, right? But he put me in a, this pastor is not a talker. And he's, he's just kind of blunt, which connected with the worthlessness in me at the time. I mean, there were many days when I would walk out of a meeting or walk out of lunch with him. And just go, okay, Father, I thank you. You have kept me from assaulting my pastor physically. <laughs> and guess what? I'm so glad I got over that because now everything that happens here was deposited in me there. When I was a mess. You're going to see another thing in the Christmas story. It's so cool. This is a truth that God even when you don't even know, and it many times is uncomfortable, but God will get you if you will put him first. Even if you don't see stuff, you don't understand things, he will get you to the right place. Do you know God put it on the emperor of Rome to have a census that, that made literally the whole nation mad? And upset because they had to drop everything and go to their home city. He did all of that so that literally that Joseph and Mary would be in Bethlehem because it was prophesied Jesus would be born there. Do you know when she was about to give birth? I mean, could you imagine? You're, I mean, you know, you're. Almost there. It's, it's your days away, and all of a sudden, the emperor of, this, of Rome who is controlling you says, I'm going to count all of you so I know how much taxes I could have, and so you got to go back to your hometown. Don't care if you're working. Don't care about your business. You just, you just start going. And Mary and Joseph, 
they lived anywhere from 70 to 90 miles away from Bethlehem. How would you like to, ladies, hop on a donkey at nine months pregnant? I mean, you know, you're right there, right? You're about to pop, right? And all of a sudden to pop, that's a guy term, I guess. But, you know, all I can say to that is, praise God, I'm a man, right? But you're, you're on this donkey. Could you imagine? Right? Just, you know, you'd probably have to go to the bathroom maybe a few extra times, right? Is there any bath? There's no rest areas on the way, right? So it was about, literally, if a person, if most people in that day could probably walk 15 to 20 miles, so it was at least a four-day journey. But why was there no room for them in Bethlehem? Because it took them probably 10 days to get there because she was about to give birth. She's probably like, okay, Joseph, wow, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need a break, right? And, and so that was very uncomfortable. And God didn't seem to be concerned about their comfort to get them where he wanted them to be. You know, like it's 26 degrees this morning. And, and you know, if I go to the Lord today, which I won't, I've done this in the past, but I won't do that anymore. Um, it's just kind of foolish. You see how in, immature. But Lord, come on. I was living, and now, now Southern California is so whacked out, I wouldn't want to live there anyway. But, uh, you know, so I guess that's easier on me now. But for years, I'm thinking, man, you know, it's, it's three degrees. Everything's dead. The wind's blowing 40 miles an hour. And I could have been at the beach. Why, did, why in the world did you call me here? See, I love the ocean. When I moved from Illinois to Southern California, I thought I died and went to heaven. And I love the ocean. I mean, I, I hate to admit this, but I, I love any ocean. Even the Atlantic. I mean, don't, don't tell Teresa. Don't tell Teresa I said that. But, you know, I mean, any ocean. But what does God do? He called me right in the center of the United States. You can't get further from an ocean than here. But it's all good. But think about that. He did that to get Mary and Joseph into the right place. So don't be concerned about your comfort. Be concerned about your peace, your joy. It's not dependent. Listen, it's not dependent on anything else. There's nothing like being in the will of God. So you got fear, you got strife, you got pride. Here is a big one disappointment will keep you out of the rest of God. Something happens in your life and you don't understand it. Why is this happening to me? Right? Because disappointment, if you're disappointed in any area, disappointment is a slope. Disappointment will lead you into being discouraged. If you stay in discouragement long enough, it will lead you to being into despair. Despair is where you look to your future and my marriage is never going to get better. My, my physical body is never going to get better. So you go from disappointment to discouragement to despair. And now there's no, in despair, there's nothing to, for faith to bring substance to because you're not hoping for anything. What, what happens when a person gets in despair, this literally ushers in oppression. 
It opens the door for the spirit of suicide, for depression and all these demonic things. This is where people are living. And what's really cool, guys, is do you see in the life of Jesus how he went into hopeless situations and completely changed it in a moment of time for people? And that's what God, first of all, God wants you free so that he could use you to get others free, right? And see, once oppression and torment, once they're in your life, if you allow them long enough, they will ultimately bring death to you. This is, this is, if you look at sickness and disease, disappointment, discouragement, it's not getting better, despair, it's never going to get better. Now all of a sudden, things, another thing comes up in your body and another thing comes up in your body. And, and if you don't finally just stand up and say no, because you know who you are in Christ, what will it do? It'll, it'll, it'll ultimately, you'll be off the planet early. But I'm here to tell you today, you have to know some things, right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, this know also, we're to know this, we're to perceive and understand this, that in the last days, in the Greek, that would read final days, perilous times shall in the future come. Well, Guess what? We're no longer, they're no longer shall coming. We're in the final days, so they're here right now. Perilous times. That Greek word means dangerous times, difficult times, strength-reducing times. Satan is working behind the scenes to reduce people's strength. Okay? Why do they come? Let's look at just the first few words of, of verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Self-centeredness. Selfishness. What is that? According to Romans 8.3, that is the law of sin and death. Selfishness and self-centeredness. What comes out of that is fear. What fear brings you into, again, it takes you down that Disappointment, discouragement, despair, oppression, ultimately death if you let it, right? But it basically opens the door so that Satan could come and steal, kill, and destroy even though he's a defeated foe. But thank God, the first part of Romans 8.3 is, right? The spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made every one of us free from the law of sin and death. You are made free. What is that? This is why we're teaching on it. The spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, is the very love of God. What comes out of it? Guess what works by love? Faith. What does faith do? It gives you what you need to lay hold of everything God's given you. You receive it through faith. So this is why this is so important. Perilous times are going to come because men will be uh, lovers of their own selves. See, the basis of fear is a person not knowing that God cares enough about them to take care of them and to see them through 
to the other side of everything that they will face in life. You have to know that God cares enough about you that he will see you through. He loves you so much. He's going to see you through what you're in right now to the other side of, and he'll see you through to victory and triumph. You have to know that right when you get in a battle, right when the diagnosis comes. Otherwise, fear will be there. Fear's not internal for us. It's external. You don't have a spirit of fear. What does fear do? And I'm, I'm really focusing on this because all these other things, pride, all this stuff, right? All of it flows out of fear. Fear will dominate your life and rob you if you don't deal with it. Right? It. It's a spirit. Fear will keep you from God's best. When fear is in operation, Satan is able to operate and God, the God in us, is unable to operate when we are yielding to fear. Right? God can't operate because he'd have to violate your will to operate and he can't do that. Fear operates in the absence of the love of God. If you don't know and are walking in a revelation of how much God loves you, fear is right there. Faith operates in the presence of the love of God. When you know, see, how do you, how do you grow strong in faith? Grow strong in a revelation knowledge of how much God loves you. And the real test is when you mess up. That's when you need to say, Father, I thank you. I'm coming to your throne of grace today to obtain mercy from you, to find grace to help me in my time of need. Father, I've chosen wrongly. I've done some things wrongly. But I know this, that nothing can separate me from your love and that you love me right now as much as you love Jesus. And you're for me and you're going to see me through. And, and that revelation, that'll allow you to be in faith to receive everything from him. The person the person who is in fear, this person can never believe for God's will to come to pass in their lives if they first don't know that God loves them and cares enough about them to make it happen for them. That's where all these doctrines come from, that God heals some and not others. Talk to somebody. Talk to a preacher who believes that. They won't, they won't quote scripture because there isn't any. They'll say, well, you know, my grandmother loved God with all of her heart. Or my mom, or my brother, or my sister, and they died. And so I know, they, I know they were believing God. No, no, they weren't. Because nobody's gotten in faith and stayed in faith that didn't get the result. Because God's not a liar, right? Don't let fear dominate or rob from you. Faith is the environment of the love of God. So I'll read a scripture I've read many times in this series. It's 1 John chapter 4. This, your Bible should almost fall open to this. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. <clears throat> 
Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Do you see the fact that knowing the love of God will bring you to a place of walking in your authority? Because as he is, so are we in this world. That's the positional truth of your life. You are seated with him far above everything that's coming against you, and you have authority over it. The love of God reveals that to you. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love, and then it all tells us why. We love him only because he first loved us. See, until God comes into your heart and he sheds abroad the love of God in your heart, now you can not only love with his love, but you can know how he loves you. When you know he loves you and it's not based on your behavior, when you know that there is nothing that you could ever do to change the way he loves you, changes your life. Guys, this is the gospel, that God loved man so much that he came and died in his place so that he could have the very life of God. It's not turn or burn. It's not you better repent or you're going to go to hell. Somebody who doesn't know God's going to be like, what, what is re, repaint? Repent? What, what are you talking about? Hell? Oh, I don't believe in that. Right? If you are afraid of anything, it is because love has not been come to, it hasn't been made perfect in you yet. You're not seeing it. If you ever get afraid of anything, it's because you don't know how much God loves you. That's the basis. That's, that's the basis for fear. Hallelujah. You don't believe God cares enough about you to see you through and he does. And guys, we are living in an environment right now where we're seeing God move. We're seeing some healing here, some there. Not a whole lot of it. And so people get in these things and it's like, man, you know, God's not seeing me through. And the reason why is because we don't have a revelation of the love of God. We don't have a revelation of the love of God because God is peripheral in our life. He's not the center. If... if if God is not the center of your life, you're never going to really be able to know him intimately. Right? If he's just something you do on Sunday morning, you know, I just come to church. No, no, that, that's not, this is not about coming to church. This is about walking with him 24-7 forever. It's what we've been made for. If the enemy can get you out of walking in love towards your brothers and sisters, then he has the ability to stop everything in your life. Not some things, everything. If you don't care about your brothers and sisters and you don't walk in love towards them, what does that mean? To be a doer of the word, right? It, it, it literally opens the door. It opens the door for Satan to stop everything. To be free from fear, what do we do? We must cultivate the love of God. 
We must cultivate this thing where I constantly am meditating in scripture, scriptures and just saying, Father, I thank you. So I'm walking in a constant revelation that you love me so much. Do you know you're never alone? His eyes are always upon you. He's always with you. If you go over 55 miles an hour, God is still there. I know that. I have firsthand knowledge of that. I apologize, Officer uh, Fennis, right, or <laughs> Officer Phillips, right? And, and you know, and, and I cry out to him if I ever have a, a little, you know, a Christmas tree going off behind me, which I haven't had for years. <laughs> Praise God. But I'm never thinking about justice if I ever were to see one of those. I'm thinking about mercy right away, right? Right? I think the last ticket I got, it was Pastor Mark's fault. So not that I would ever throw him under the bus ever, but I was going to meet with him. And, you know, I'm coming down, I think, what was it, 144th, and I had to, or 100, I can't remember, I had to turn on industrial. And, man, I just, you know, I turned the car, and next thing I know, boom, there's a Christmas tree there, you know, and this wonderful officer gets out, and, you know, what do you say, right? I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor, yeah. <laughs> you know, the first ticket I ever got when I lived in Nebraska, I was going to Ramah, and I was going down to Ramah, and in Kansas, I get pulled over, and, and so I thought this was going really good. He's like, do you know you're going too fast? I go, yeah. I go, I'm sorry, officer. And uh, he goes, where are you heading? I said, oh, I'm heading down to Rama Bible Training College. I, you know, I think I was going to go down there and teach and, and stuff. And he, and he goes, oh. He, and I said, I'm a pastor. And I go, it's kind of embarrassing to tell you that. And he's like, oh, man, I'm a youth pastor. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm thinking to myself, cool. <laughs> but I had to pay that ticket. <laughs> He hadn't grown to the point where mercy was bigger, maybe. But I can't blame him, you know. But that ticket, I was going to meet Pastor Mark, so uh, I'll just, can I blame him? Is that okay? Is that all right? Okay. To be free from fear, you got to cultivate God's love. So the Bible's number one message is God loves you. He cares for you. He will never leave you. And he will always see you through everything you face. God is always willing to protect you, provide for you, deliver you. See, the Bible, it says nothing more than God loves you. That's the message of the Bible. But if you don't cast fear out of your life, Fear will become a force in your life that will govern your life. It's kind of like the spirit of poverty and lack. If you don't deal with it, it will never stop dealing with you. The, the spirit of fear, if you don't deal with it, it'll become a force in your life that will dominate and control your life. Right? You can't give it any place. Can't give it any place. That's why we talk about love. 2 Timothy 1.7 you have to know this. This is the word of God. It's not subject to change. You got to get revelation knowledge on it because this statement is so easy to just, okay, yeah, I got it. But no, you got to really see it. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. But you could say this, but God has given us 
a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. This word sound mind literally means a spirit that brings soundness of mind. What is soundness of mind? That means you are thinking in line with God's word. See, we're not talking about how to cover up fear. We're not talking about how to manage it. We don't deal with, you know, you deal with a demon-possessed person, it's really simple. Shut up and get out in Jesus' name. We're not managing this. We're not going to, you know, well, let me talk. What, why did you attack this? Who cares? Anything of the enemy, right? Being free from fear brings freedom into every area of your life. The power of God comes out of the love of God. The power of God is literally his ability that gets results. See, you cannot see the power of God if you're not walking in the love of God. Because the power of God flows out of the love of God. Right? There's a lot of people that want power. They want more power in their life. you got to have, it flows out of love. It flows out of love. Isn't that good news? So God's word is the foundation. It's the foundation of what? Our thinking and our believing. This is, this is where all my thoughts that I take come out of. This is where all of my beliefs are formed. Every one of them comes out of the word of God. The Bible has been given to us to show us how to think. Think about that the next time you don't want to get into the Word. You won't think right if you're not living in the Word of God. For those of you who live in the Word of God, have you noticed that? It uncovers a, a detrimental thought process. It, it teaches you how to, and, and it takes time. But you keep living under the light of the Word, and it'll change your thinking. Because, guys, most Christians... I mean, we have Christians that literally think God is leading them, and it's not. They're preaching things that God's word doesn't say, and they don't even see it. Right? There's, there's people, there's Christians that are literally beating themselves up for their behavior when the God of heaven is not beating them up. I mean, Satan almost, he, I mean, he probably sometimes he almost feels sorry. I don't think so, but he might even feel sorry because he's like, man, Tony takes a baseball bat to himself. I don't even have to mess with him, right? But if you'll get in the word, it'll teach you how to think right and how to live right, how to, how to believe right, how to act right, what to say, all this stuff, because you'll live under this revelation knowledge, this light that God loves me, he will never leave me, he'll never forsake me, he'll be everything I need to deliver me out of everything that I'll ever face, regardless of my behavior. It's not based on me. Whatever you invest in is what you believe in. If you want to really see what you believe Look at your schedule. Look at your checkbook. And you will know what you're really believing in. Right? 
I mean, you know, I could use you, Pastor Torian, as an example. You know, he's working, he's got a pretty high-powered job for a pretty large company, and man, they start filling his schedule. Meetings all the time. Pretty soon, I mean, he's, he's got his phone blowing up here while he's leading worship. He's got to go in meetings on Wednesday night, and I remember thinking to myself, they're going to lose a really good employee because this man, resolute, God is first, right? He just, there's no, there's no, this is not anything I got to pray about, think about, nope. And if, and you know, and, and if this company is going to be like this, you know, guess what? I know God will get me into another company that won't believe like this or whatever, right? Yeah. And for him, it's just a matter of, God, you tell me to leave, I'm leaving, Right? And when he leaves, no job? Is he stressed out? Nope. You, getting, you looking for a job? Yeah, kind of. But see, because you follow love, you walk by faith, you're in a position to do that. See, this thing progresses, guys, to where you are walking like Jesus. You're not looking to anything in the world to supply for you. You realize he's your supply. It's a new way of living, guys. Facts breed fear. Fear will affect your faith. You can't, you can't be in fear and be in faith. How does it affect it? You're not in faith. And facts will affect. It will affect, it'll, it, it'll affect your faith. It'll breed fear. Facts. You go to a doctor, this is why we, we love doctors, we respect them. They are operating based on what they know. Thank God, because they've kept us alive long enough many times so that we can learn how, some of these things so that we could walk free. Thank God for doctors, but man, when you get a diagnosis, you, walk, you thank that doctor, you thank that surgeon, you thank that specialist, whatever it is, and then you walk out and then you thank God because you believe his report. Right? I believe your report. I won't die. I'll live and declare the works of the Lord. They say there's no cure for this, but no, no, there is. It's Jesus. And if they put you on medication every time you take that medication, Father, I thank you that this will work in every way to help my body. If there's anything in it that doesn't help my body, then I pray and I'm believing you that that will just be eradicated out of my body. No side effects right? This is how we live. But Father, I thank you that this pill, I won't be taking this very long because your healing power is working in me right now. It's affecting a cure in me right now, right? This is so important. Will you believe the facts that you see or the truth that you know? That will be determined on whether or not you walk in the love of God and you cast out fear. Because if you walk in fear, it's, you're going to walk according to the facts. Hallelujah. How are you guys doing? You doing okay? We're saying a lot of stuff today. This is really going to help you. It's helping all of us. You're going to have to go back and listen to this again. 
You're going to have to take some time and outline this. Something about hearing and writing, underlining in your Bible, right? There's just something about that. It'll get you to start speaking. So let's look at this. Look at what happened to you when you were born again. Because you were born into love. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This means a new creation, a new species, one that has never existed before. This Greek word also means an original form. Do you know there's never been anyone, another one like you? You're one of a kind in all of humanity. There will never be another one like you. You're a new creature. Here's a big one. Old things have passed away. What has passed away? That old self-centered life, that old spirit man that you were, is gone. Not covered, gone. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're a person with no past. So stop beating yourself up for your past. You don't have one. You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. And you say, well, you know, I've sinned after I got saved. Well, let's look at salvation. We don't really understand this wording in the Eastern mind so much, or in the Western mind, but, but if you look at the Eastern mind, you would read it like this. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I'm always being saved. My spirit is renewed every day. All of my sin, figure this one out, all of my sin was condemned once and for all 2,000 years ago in the body of Jesus. Look at this. Behold, all things have become new. Eternal life was imparted to us. See, why do we talk about this? Because if you want to talk about courage, to be courageous, that comes out of knowing who you are in Christ. Courage, see, we, we, we look at movies and we think courage comes out of ourselves. But that's not the courage I'm talking about. Oh, there's a natural courage, but it's way, way below the courage of a believer. The courage of a believer can face anything, go through anything, never be in fear, and love the person who's coming after them. Complete, and be in complete control. I'm at peace. Right? Peter's going to be crucified. Think about it. His whole life he saw people be crucified. You'd have to walk... You walk by, they're hanging on a cross, being tortured for up to two weeks. He saw what that was like. So when they wanted to crucify him, he's like, hey, I, I, in such, so courageous, this guy literally renounced Christ three times when Jesus went to the cross, wasn't there at the cross, hiding, went back to his old job, grew to a point now that he's born again, spirit-filled, walking with Jesus, now he's to a point where when they want to crucify him, he's like, well, hey, time out. Listen, is there any way you guys could crucify me upside down? Because I'm not worthy. I, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Polycarp, the pastor in Smyrna, when they said you either bow and say Caesar's your Lord or we're going to burn you to a stake, he's like, well, I can't. How can I say the one who loves me? 
and the one who I love. I could never do that. So they burnt this man to a stake. And history tells us, out of the flames, he was singing praises. Do you know you can't sing when you're being burnt? So I have a feeling that God was keeping him in the midst of those flames. Right? History tells us that when Nero would dip Christians and, and, and put, them, put tar all over their bodies, tie them to stakes, and literally put them around his courtyard and burn them at a stake while he was having a party in his yard. History tells us that it drove him crazy to the point to where he stopped doing it because the Christians, have you ever, those, you know those old hymns, those old songs where you sing in parts? Like you sing one and then another part is here. They were singing worship songs in parts out of the flames. They were worshiping God as they were leading them into the Roman Colosseum to be killed by lions. No fear. Why? Because they knew, they knew God was with them. Courage comes from knowing who you are in Christ. So now verse 21 of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 what happened? Why could we be made a new creature? Because there was an exchange made. For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin, to be hamartia. He made him to be an innocent sin sacrifice for us who knew no sin that we might be made Literally, this word made means to begin to be, to come into being, to come into existence. There's no process in this word. It's just that we might come to be what? The very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And so now my introduction is done. <laughs> righteousness. You've been made righteous. That changes everything. Why were you made righteous? Because of love. You were made righteous. It costs God the spiritual death of his son for you and I to be made righteous. And this happens the moment that you're born again. Now that I've been made righteous, think about it, now that I've been made righteous, I'm a person with no past. And God, do you know in heaven, there are cherubs, angelic beings that have been created to fly around the very throne where God is. And they have, they have wings. Now they're angelic beings. They're made to fly around God. But there is so much power so much holiness that they have wings that cover their face, that cover their body, that right? They have wings that cover their whole body and their face. Why did the heavenly host, we're going to look at this, these Greek words, when the heavenly host came the night Jesus was born, it literally talks about the armies of God. Why did they come? Because the holiness of God is so powerful, there's wording in there that makes us believe that these angelic beings have never seen the face of God and they came to honor their commander who was a baby in a manger 
to look upon him. There's a, there, years ago, my friend went to a Bible college. Jeanette went there a little while. Uh, and and she, she knew ancient Hebrew. And she was the hardest teacher in Southern California College, now Vanguard University. And she taught Old Testament survey. And she would talk about the ancient Hebrew words because they would fly around the throne and, and they would perceive something new about God's personality and it would cause them to just, just go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. We don't know how long they've been flying around the throne. In other words, they're seeing something new in all eternity, this is how vast God is. And this word holy in the ancient Hebrew language is, it's not only he's holy, but it's a warning. And she describes the glory coming off of him. She says the closest way I could describe these ancient Hebrew words is it's like liquid light coming off of him. That's why no flesh could stand in front of him. And you and I are going to see him face to face. When we're before the throne in Revelation chapter 4, we're standing before the throne in worship, seeing him. Isn't that amazing? But it's a warning. Holy, holy, holy. This is how holy God is. But now that I'm righteous, I can come in to the presence of God with no sense of guilt or inferiority as if sin has never existed. I come as his holy son because I've been made righteous with God's very righteousness. Colossians tells me I'm unblameable and unaccusable because of what Jesus did for me. Wow. Some immature believers take that and they think that means they have a license to sin. No, it empowers you when you walk in a revelation of the love of God to walk holy before him. Oh, church, we're trying to do so much to be a good little Christian. And we beat ourselves up for everything we got to stop it, and we've got to focus on how much he loves us so that we'll peer into him so that we're changed into his image. What does the Holy Spirit do in your life? He wants to pull out from the inside of you who you are and show it to you and show it to the world. I love that. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Why? Because he was condemned. Hallelujah. So what do we do? We accept this exchange. Because as we accept this fact that he was made sin with my sin so that I would be made righteous with his righteousness. When I accept this exchange, now it enables me to walk out of a sin consciousness and walk into a righteousness consciousness to where I'm conscious that I'm righteous. And if I give in and have a sinful behavior, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, that's not me. And I confess that before my God and I keep going. 
and God empowers me to walk free. Addictions fall off when you realize you're righteous. A sin consciousness always causes a person to draw back in fear. A righteousness consciousness causes a person to always be bold and draw near to him. Right? So being word conscious, conscious of the word, causes me to be conscious of God, which causes me to walk in a righteousness consciousness. It all starts with the word. That's why this has to be center. It can't be. If this represents my life, the word can't be here. It's got to be right here. Boom. Right? So here's the thing. Talking about the love of God, you must accept the fact that there are no works involved. You can't work for this. It was just given to you. You have to accept that fact. That's hard to accept because you work for everything, right? You work for everything. You work for money. You work for this. Not with God. He gave you everything. Right? And if you learn that, you actually will have, you'll actually stop working for everything here. Right? You'll realize, oh, this, this job, I'm here, it's a form of worship, and the money I get, that's going to be seed that I sow into the kingdom of God, and, and the way I sow is going to bring back the harvest, and now all of a sudden, my lifestyle is based on my sowing. And so you, know, you get free from works. You must receive this by grace through faith. You have to throw out a works mentality to walk free from this sin consciousness. It's so important, right? Leanne does not have to do anything to be loved by me. You don't have to work for it. Why? Because I just love you. Why can I do that? Oh, because the love of God's been shed abroad in my heart. So I love you the way he loves me. The more I learn how he loves me, the more I could love you. Think about a friendship like that. That means you can't ever offend me. I can't ever offend you. We're always going to believe the best. We're always going to walk together, right? I mean, think about, wow. Even husbands and wife do that. I got to work for this and work for that. And maybe if I do this and that. No, 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 no. No, it all starts by an unconditional, we just love each other. And we learn how to do that, even between us as friends. Right? I don't, I don't work to be Dr. Kirshner's friend. He doesn't work to be my friend. We just love each other. It's the way it's supposed to be. I'm telling you, the world will be drawn to the love of God that's inside of you, that's coming out of you. You have to throw out the works mentality to walk free from a sin consciousness. Righteousness is not a covering. It is a position that you have because it's your nature. I used to think that it was a robe of righteousness that I could, that I could put on and that, gosh, you know, when I sin, I just got to kind of take this off so I could go do what I want to do in my flesh. Nope. No, it's not a covering. It's who I am. I've been made the very righteousness of God. 
So if I ever do a behavior that's unrighteous, I go to my father and he forgives me, but then he cleanses me. He, he washes off all the unrighteousness and guess what's left? Just righteousness, right? He never gets down on me when I mess up. Why? Because he already condemned my sin in the body of Jesus. He's like, hey, let's, this is what I want you to do. Just confess this so that we're, we're on the same page here. Confess means say about it what I say about it. It's already paid for. That's part of your confession. Lord, I just told a lie. And Father, I'm coming to you today. I confess that I lied. I, it's, sin doesn't have dominion over me. I chose wrongly. But Father, I got it to part of my confession is, and that lie was paid for in the body of Jesus 2,000 years ago. So right now, Father, I just receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. And then I, I walk on. Instead of, man, well, I'm just this dirty dog. And, because the shame of sin will drag you back into sin. Got to get rid of the shame. Jesus not only died for your sin, the Bible says he died for your shame as well. Shame of sin is powerful. You have to put this statement, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You have to put this in your heart and in your mouth. If you will put that statement in your heart and in your mouth, it will change your life. Say this with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. I am the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Say this with me, Isaiah 54, 17. In righteousness, I am established. I am fixed and immovable in righteousness. I am far from oppression because I will never fear. And from terror because it will never come near me. No weapon that's formed against me will prosper because I am righteous. I have been made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I will condemn. Why? Why? Because I am the very righteousness of Almighty God. And that, the end of that chapter says, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's why we're, do you know part of that chapter in Isaiah 54? My children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. Notice it doesn't say my children until they're 13. Nope. Do you have children that are out there just messing up? Just, you know, all this stuff. Guess what? You keep quoting that. Father, the world can't have my kids. But you got to understand the reason why is because you're righteous. Because many times the kids are out there messing up because we made mistakes parenting. Doesn't matter. You're righteous. Do you believe that? Oh, isn't that good? Wow. 